Well, good morning, Gospel City Church. Morning. Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 17 and go over to verse 11. And as you're turning there, let me, let me ask you this question. Have you ever been on a mission? Has your mind ever been made up about something? To the point that nothing can distract, nothing can throw you off. Your, your mind is made up. I'm doing this one thing. It's kind of like me. I, I sort of get in these phases where my mind is made up about something and nothing can distract me. I, I get this way about two things in particular. One is date night with my wife. And the other one is alone time with my wife. Both of those things have one thing in common. There are no kids anywhere around to be found. A couple, couple years ago, we had this issue where I was on a mission. I, my mind was made up. And we had date nights scheduled. And my baby girl got this deep cough. And, and my wife comes to me and she says, babe, I, I don't think we can go on date night tonight. And I said, what? You, know, you don't think what? She said, I, I think it may be bronchitis. So you know what I do? I, I run over to Google and I start typing stuff in. I say, babe, only 2% of babies with bronchitis ever end up seriously hospitalized. I'm not a betting man, but I think the odds are in our favor. We can go on date night. I'm on a mission. And, and when I'm on that mission, when my mind is made up, only life or death situations can throw me off. Actually, only death situations can throw me off because if it's life, then they're alive. Everything is good. <laughs> Mind is made up on a mission. And what we have here in Luke chapter 17 is that Luke is presenting Jesus Christ as a man on a mission. His mind is made up. Luke uses this phrase on his way to Jerusalem multiple times. He's giving us the mission statement of Jesus Christ that Christ is on this mission and he won't be distracted. As a matter of fact, in Luke chapter 9, verse 51, we have this written. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. That is the mission statement of Jesus Christ. He has his mind made up. And what is in Jerusalem, you might ask? Well, what's in Jerusalem is that that is the place where Christ is going to take all the sins of the world upon his shoulders and he is going to die in our place. Christ is on a mission. His mind is made up, but Luke records in Luke chapter 9 that that's not the end of the mission. End of the mission is when Christ is taken up, when he defeats the grave, when he stands victorious and therefore gives us the ability to say, death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? Christ is on a mission. This man, his mind is made up. He is going to fulfill what he came to do. Nothing can distract, nothing can stop him. But then all of a sudden, in Luke chapter 17, Christ stops. He pauses. 
And if this man who's on a mission stops and pauses, there must be a significant reason why he did so. If Christ, who is going to bear the sins of the world, he sort of stops and pauses, there must be a lesson involved. There must be a teachable moment for you and I. And since Christ stopped and paused, let us do the same. And let us look at Luke chapter 17, verse 11 and following. If you are able, would you stand as we read God's word? Hear the word of the Lord. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. You may be seated. As we dive into Luke chapter 17 today and we, we see the reason as to why our Savior of the world stopped on his mission, one thing we're going to see clearly as we dive into this text is that faith teaches us that salvation is greater than healing. Salvation is greater than healing. And the text is going to show us this a number of different ways. The first way it's going to show us this is that it's going to introduce to us in these lepers a holistic condition that leads to Christ. Christ on a mission stops. And the reason why the Savior of the world stops on his way to the cross is that he hears cries for mercy. Before we even dive into our text this morning, can we just look at this wonderful observation? That Jesus always has time. That the writers of scripture are gonna show us that Jesus always has time for cries for mercy. Let's just pause in this moment. We have time, I promise you. Let's just sit in this moment. I'm only going to preach 90 minutes this morning, so we have time. There's a lot going on in Luke chapter 17. I mean, you have Christ walking with his disciples. You have them going inside this village. You have these lepers who are crying out with a loud voice. You have the Pharisees who are sort of always around. He's entering these villages. There's crowds of people. All of this is going on. And yet, 
The cry for mercy sort of breaks through the noise and reaches the ears of Jesus. What a thought. There's a lot going on today. You drove in here to the parking lot. You saw this beautiful building project that's going on. Folks are getting baptized as we experienced last week. Missions trips are happening. The women are diving deep into the word in the arbor. There's a church being planted in South Bend. There's a church being established in Elkhart. All sorts of things are taking place. And in the midst of that, you may say to yourself, man, will Christ hear my feeble cry for mercy in the midst of all of this? Let me assure you that Christ pauses for cries for mercy. He hears, it breaks through. He is never too distracted or there is never too much noise for Christ to hear when people call out to him for mercy. I love that about this text. Then as they sort of go on as Luke finishes recording what's taking place here before he even enters this village. There are 10 lepers waiting for him. Before he steps in, there is this group of lepers that are waiting for Jesus Christ. Leprosy, you must understand, is a unbelievable debilitating condition. It's not only a skin disease, it, it sort of goes from being a skin disease to affecting the entirety of the person. It affects the bones and the nerves. It affects the eyesight. It affects your hearing. It affects your mobility. It affects your vocal cords. Vocal cords. That's an interesting one. Because Luke, the physician, records for us that even though these lepers have been affected by this debilitating condition, still they raise their voices and cry for mercy. There's an application in there somewhere. What if we can still petition Christ through our pain? What if we can still worship Christ in our weakness? What if that condition is sort of driving us to cry out to mercy for Christ instead of driving us away? Lifted up their voices. This is a holistic condition. It, this, this leprous disease, it had personal implications. It had social implications. It had religious implications. The word in verse 12 that describes the lepers is what describes their entire life. And that word is distance. They were distant from their families. They were distant from their friends. They were distant from the religious institutions of the day. They were distant from the religious leaders. Everyone was scared of the lepers. This is why Luke records that you have a group of them who always hung out together because the lepers, that's all they had was other lepers. Lepers. 
everyone else was scared. Everyone else was afraid that if I come too close to this diseased person, I may become unclean myself. Everyone else was scared that if I get too close to this dirty individual, their dirt may rub off on me and I may become just like them. People were scared to be around them, scared to talk to them. Everyone, except for Jesus. Can I build a bridge from then to today? Leprosy was one of those diseases that it manifested itself. Everyone saw if a person had leprosy. It was on their skin. It was visible. They could not hide their issues. My fear is, and there are a lot of people in this room who are great at hiding their issues who are great at sort of covering it up. But I, I imagine that if a few of us were flipped inside out, we might present as lepers. If a few of us were flipped inside out and all of our issues were exposed, all of what we are dealing with is on the outside, many of us would be lepers in this room. And our greatest fear would be that it would, it would jeopardize our families, it would jeopardize our church. It would jeopardize our personal lives because we're afraid that no one can handle our issues. Listen, listen, Christ can handle your issues. Christ can handle your mess. Listen, Christ is not afraid of your porn addiction. He's not afraid of that. Christ is not scared of your emotional or physical affair that you're involved in right now. Christ is not afraid that you involve yourselves in vocational ministry, but you haven't felt the presence of God in years. Christ isn't afraid for you to go to him and say, I liked my kids before I started homeschooling them. Some of y'all laughing because you know it's true. But now that I'm into it, I feel like I'm not reaching my full potential and I'm beginning to despise not only my kids, but my spouse. Christ can handle that. Christ can handle that the reason why you spend so many hours at work is because you can't stand being at home with your spouse. He can handle that. Christ isn't afraid that you are struggling with and that you are fighting daily your same-sex attraction. Oh, you, you, you feel that? You feel how uncomfortable we get? Because we're like the villagers around the lepers. We can't handle it. But brothers and sisters, Christ can handle your mess. I promise you, you cry out to him and your cry of mercy will reach the ears of Jesus Christ and he won't blush like you and I do. He can handle it. So they, they, they cry 
out to him. But did you notice what they called Jesus? They didn't just, they didn't just call, call him Jesus. They said, Lord, Master. Master was a word you must understand that in the biblical times, that was a word that only disciples use. Only the disciples called him master. Everybody else called him teacher. But yet, there is something about this man Jesus that the lepers figured out. If anybody can solve my issues, it is this man. So they saw in him full authority and full power, and they cry out for mercy. Jesus, master, have mercy on me. So what happens? What happens when a group of broken, outcast cry to the savior of the world for mercy? What happens? I know one thing for certain happens. They, they meet a unique savior. And that meeting sort of leads to this cleansing. I love what happened next in, in Luke chapter 17 because I love the speed and the pace at what happens next. A lot is going on. Crowds, villages, lepers, disciples, Pharisees, all of this is going on. And then without a beat, without blinking an eye, Christ sees them. He says, go, and they are cleansed. I love that. All of this is taking place, and then Luke only spends one verse he spends only a couple of words talking about Jesus Christ cleansing these lepers. That's how fast Christ can cleanse. As a matter of fact, it doesn't even say in there that Christ said, you are cleansed. And you know what? They still were cleansed. That's the power of Jesus Christ. Let's, let's sit in these actions that Christ did for a moment. There are three actions that Christ did in Luke chapter 17 and verse 14. Let's, let's sit in these for a moment. The first action that he did, and we can't read past this, is that Jesus Christ saw them. He saw them. Lepers in, in Jesus' day were, were kind of like those folks who experienced homelessness in Michiana. They're always around, but never seen. We sort of turn our gaze when they're around. We never intentionally look at them. We never intentionally interact. They're, they're there, but we don't see them. How, how sad. But the Savior of the world enters the picture and he sees them. Oh, saints, Oh, to be seen. Some of the most heart crumbling words that I've ever heard my wife speak to me. And I'm getting ready to allow you into some of my brokenness. I'm not a perfect man. You may see me up here and say, man, Stephen, he look all good. He perfect. I know you may be saying that. <laughs> it's not the case. Some of the most heart crumbling words I've ever heard my wife say to me. She said this a couple of times. She said, Stephen, I feel as if you don't see me. To be seen. There are folks sitting in this room right now full of around 600 plus people, crowded space, and yet there are some of you who feel unseen. Christ sees you. 
he sees you. And then he takes it a step further. He not only sees them, he actually talks to them. He speaks to these lepers. And notice what Christ says to these lepers. He says, go show yourselves to the priest. That is significant. Christ, the word in the flesh, speaks the word to these lepers. Christ simply tells these lepers to do what was already written in the Old Testament for them to do. Christ, the word, speaks the word. Notice in Leviticus chapter 13. It says, the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron. I'm sorry. I misread that. I think it says Aaron. <laughs> when, a person, when a person has on the skin of his body a swelling or an eruption or a spot and it turns into leprosy, what they're supposed to do is they're supposed to go to the priest. Right? So Christ, the word incarnate, he says to these lepers to obey the word of God. Christ is never going to tell us to do something that contradicts the word of God. Listen, if you say, you know, I, I feel like God is telling me to do dot, dot, dot. Whatever comes after that dot, dot, dot. If it contradicts what's clearly written in God's word, let me assure you, it's not from God. It's not from Christ. Christ, let's look at this picture. Christ, God in the flesh, uses the word of God with these leprous people. Not only does he do that, he sees them, he speaks to them, but he also, he cleanses them. Notice that in verse 14. Jesus did something that the priest in the Old Testament couldn't do. He, he cleanses them. The priest in the Old Testament didn't have this power. If you keep reading in Leviticus chapter 13, you will come to understand that the priests, their only responsibility was to notice leprosy, was to pronounce clean or unclean. However, Jesus has the power to cleanse them from leprosy. The Old Testament priests, you have to understand, they're like, they're like thermometers. They, they can tell you the temperature. They can tell you what's going on, but they can't change it. Christ, the great high priest, he's the thermostat. He can actually change something and he does in a instant. That's how I love the connection, how the Bible sort of brings us into the mix. And he says that now there's a priesthood of all believers. You and I, we're, we're priests. We can notice things. We can feel things. We can see things. But folks, you and I, we don't have the ability to change things. Only the thermostat can do that. Only Jesus Christ has the ability to change, and he changes instantly. Then they go on in the text, and they, they speak about this response, this, this required response that leads to salvation. Now we're getting into the meat of the text. Everything I just said, that was introduction. Now we're actually getting to my sermon. You're like, Stephen, if that was just an introduction, you better hurry up. No, I'm not going to hurry up. We just going to sit in this. 
Did you notice all the similarities between the lepers? They have more things in common than what they had that was different. Look at the text in Luke 17. All of the lepers, well, they all have leprosy. All of them. All of them cried out to Jesus. All of them called him master. All of them showed obedience by going to the priest as Christ commanded. All of them were cleansed. But there's one thing that's different. And, and the difference is, is life and death. The, the difference is merely being cleansed and being saved. The, the difference is having something fixed externally and then having your soul made right. It's a huge difference that takes place and the difference is found in this one who returned. Only one returned. He saw his healing, but that didn't satisfy him. He needed to go back to the source of his healing. Only one praised God. Did you notice how Luke described how this one leper praised God? He praised him with a loud voice. That's amazing because what Luke is doing is sort of circling back on what he wrote earlier. Remember all 10 lepers raised their voices and cried out for mercy, but then this one leper returns, found out it was Christ who healed him, and then with a loud voice, he praised him. This one leper shows us something that I think we should get. Our praise should be louder than our petitions to Christ. Our praise should be louder than our request. And I'm preaching to myself right now. You ever have those moments where you go to Christ, you go to God, and you're crying out, Lord, please do this. Please heal this person. Please heal that person. And you're crying out to God, and Christ answers your request. But then you come back and you're like, thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. That's not what the leper did. The leper said, this is Christ. He healed me. My praise ought to be louder than my request to God. Only one fell at his feet. Only one came back to Christ when he got from Christ everything he wanted because he figured out that there was only one thing that he needed. And that was to be in the presence of Jesus Christ. That was to be around his Savior. I love the baptism that we did last week. And the, and the one brother in particular, he gave his testimony. And he said, you know what? I had a good job. I had a good family. Good car. Good house. But I figured out that everything that I wanted doesn't equal to the one thing that I needed. And that was Jesus Christ. I pray you come to the same conclusion. I pray that you come to the same conclusion that all those things, that when you add them up, they pale in comparison to the one thing that you truly need, and that is just, it's just Jesus. Simply Jesus. Only one gave thanks. Do you notice that in the text? 
Only one gave thanks. And this, this is intentional by Luke. Luke records this account for us on purpose. Because giving thanks, if you, if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, Luke, and John, you will understand that giving thanks was only ascribed to God himself. You read the accounts. As a matter of fact, Paul says later on that a person came back to Paul and fell at his feet and gave Paul thanks. And Paul says, wait, what are you doing? I'm just a man. But yet here... This leper comes back and gives to Jesus only what is ascribed to God. This leper realized that Jesus Christ is God. And then you notice what Jesus does in verse 18? He, he said, we're the ones who, who are going to return and give praise to God. Christ is standing there and he said, hey, we're the ones who return, meaning come back to me and give praise to God. Did you catch that? It's almost so subtle, but it screams loudly. Jesus Christ here in this text is calling himself God. And then Luke is writing to a very Jewish audience. I mean, the Jews understood from all of their Old Testament readings that there is only one entity that can heal leprosy. And that one entity is God himself. Yet Luke records for us that Jesus Christ just healed him of leprosy. Hint, 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 Jesus Christ is God. Amen. I had an interaction a couple of months ago. And I, I was sitting, it was a Saturday morning, and I was sitting at the, the breakfast table, and I had this, this huge pile of bacon before me. I, I was getting ready to go ham on this bacon, right? Had this bacon before me, and, and also during this same season of my life, I was getting ready to go overseas with a, a few folks from Gospel City, and I was charged with the task of, of teaching a group of missionaries the finer things, the finer points of the Trinity. You know, that God the Father is God, and God the Son is God, and God the Spirit is God. Not three gods, one God, three persons. Amen. All God, one God, right? I was, I was deep into my studies, deep into the bacon, and then I get a knock on my door. Now, you know it's Saturday morning. You know there's only a couple people who come to your door on Saturday morning. <laughs> if it's my wife and I, it's Amazon, because we got some serious problems. Y'all pray for us. <laughs> Or it's, it's, those, it's our friends who, who say they're witnesses to Jehovah. So folks, I'm deep in the bacon, deep into the Trinity. I hear this knock on the door and I start smiling. I'm like, Lord, I'm ready. Let's do this. And then my wife looks at me and she says, babe. See, now in my house, I haven't called my wife by her first name, nor has she called me by my first name since we've been married. We always call each other babe. And babe in our household is a verb, it's a noun, it can be used adjectivally, it can be used adverbially, it has many meanings, but oftentimes you can determine the, the meaning of the word babe by the tone that is used. So I come from a family, we love to debate. We don't like to argue, we like to debate, right? A fine line. Love to debate, love to get in it, share my points. And my wife sees the smile that I get on my face. She knows I'm into it. I stand up and she says, babe, I know what she's saying to me. Like, Stephen, act like a Christian, right? So I go over to the door, I'm ready. I open the door to our friends who are, who are witnesses. I, I'm ready, I'm getting ready to share the hope of, of the Trinity. 
but then they only speak Spanish. <laughs> Why? Why, Lord? I haven't studied Spanish in eight years. I was ready. The Lord has a sense of humor. All that to say, that long drawn out story to say, just, hey, folks, would you read your Bibles? The, the, the Bible is replete with examples of Jesus Christ being God. Would you be ready to, to give an answer for the hope that lies within you? The Bible is replete with examples of the Spirit being God. The Bible is replete of showing us this, this divine person of the Trinity. It's replete with examples. And then only one. Only one was made well. If you look at verse 14... Raise your hand. I'm going to ask for a little participation. Raise your hand if you have in verse 14 a word like cleanse. Like there's the cleanse. Now keep your hands raised if that exact same word is used in verse 19. Yeah, there, there it is. Everybody's hand is sort of going down. There's a different word there. 14 is cleanse. 19, you might have something like made well. Or you might have something like saved. Or you might have something like made complete. There's a different word that Luke uses there. And the difference between these two words is the difference between life and death, folks. The difference between these two words is the difference of just being cleansed and being saved. And Luke points out, that the difference, as Christ exclaims, is in this man's faith. Your faith has saved you. That is a glorious text. Listen, the mark of our salvation, the, the mark of our faith, it is not whether or not we've been cleansed. There are many people in this text who were cleansed, but only one was saved. Many were cleansed, but only one was made well. Listen, there's a difference. There's a difference between getting an external cleaning and getting your soul rearranged. There's a difference of getting things fixed and getting your eternal destination fixed. There's a difference. And, and Christ shows us this difference. And I, and I sort of hear the, the questions that Jesus asked in verse 17 sort of echoing out in Gospel City this morning. I hear the questions of Christ echoing out. Where, where are the rest of them? Didn't I cleanse a lot more? I hear Christ sort of asking today, where, where are the ones who cried out to me to fix their marriage? to fix their finances, to fix their health, to fix their kids. And I did it, and they haven't returned. Don't you hear Christ asking these same questions today? You may be sitting here, you're saying, I, I'm crying out for Christ to fix these temporary things. But let me tell you, salvation is so much greater than cleansing. 
Salvation is so much greater than fixing something temporarily. You need something to be fixed permanently. I'm sitting in this room, you're saying, I, I cried out to Christ and he hasn't answered me. That's okay. That's okay. Because you may never, you may never get cleansed. But I tell you folks, you can still be saved. You may never have the things fixed, but you can have your heart fixed. You can have your soul fixed. And if you're anything like me, you know, this past week you've, you've realized Christ has done a thousand different things and you have never returned to him. You have never come back and say, Lord, I got the gift, but now all I want is the giver. I got the healing, but that's no longer what I desire. I want the healer. I want you to pause for a few moments and just sit in this space. As, as the band sort of sings over you, would you just take a moment to go back to Christ? To return to him? To fall at his feet and praise him for he can give you something that only God can give you. And that is to save your soul.